Hi, I'm James Schillinglaw, and I'm here with a familiar face if you've been watching us, Matthew Upchurch, who is the chairman and CEO of Virtuoso, the luxury uh, network uh, of great travel advisors, great luxury travel suppliers. And Matthew, uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, finished the Virtuoso Symposium, which was held on Silver Dawn. And it was a rare symposium that I did not go to. And so I thought I'd catch up with him now to find out what happened and then also look ahead and seeing what's going to happen to the luxury travel market as we uh, uh, emerge from the pandemic. It looks Everything looks good. Yeah, we got a little war thing going on, but hopefully that isn't going to affect us too much, but we'll see what happens. But So we're going to talk with Matthew today and we're going to find out about all that and more on Insider Travel Report. Now, first of all, Matthew, how are you and where are you? Well, I'm actually at home. Uh, Wonder, wonders I'm, be wonders, right? And, and this is this is where I, you know, I, I absconded myself for a couple of years, but it's been so incredibly rewarding and energizing to be out on the road like like you. I think you and I are competing uh, for where I, I, we were debating earlier about who who was winning on this. I don't know. I, I still you think were, you told me James. I was, but <laughs> I think I still think you win. But it is, I will say, it. it you know, if you ever doubted that human connection thing we've been talking about for de for decades, um, boy, once you get around, once you get around people and, and reconnect, I mean, it, and by the way, there's a lot of really real science around that. I won't bore you with those details today, but there really is a lot of science around the fact that when human beings are physically together, you really do share heart energy in other ways. So that human connection thing, it's a real thing. I absolutely. I, I was I, for for a while there. I was watching your Facebook, and I thought it was the Matthew Upchurch birthday tour because you seem to be about everyone <laughs> birthdays. You were there, <laughs> like. Well, you know what? I did. I did. I did turn sixty the day that we got on Silver Dawn, which I had nothing to do with. Our wonderful <laughs> Muriel Wilson was the one that set all that up, along with Jennifer and her team. And and uh, uh, I have to say, I, I didn't. So it was not the Matthew party cruise. Um, but it could have been. That, it could have been. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say though that you know what? When I decided, you know, I'm going to turn 60, I'm going to go ahead and own it. So pretty much, if you don't know I'm 60 by now, that you probably <laughs> it's certainly been all over the place. I decided, why not? Let's go for it. Yeah, no, I thought. Well, Matthew, as we all know, 60 is the new 40. So you know, that's, what they that's, say. that's where you have to. That's go. what they say. And and I I I beat you by a couple of years, but uh, uh, I'm hanging in there. I still feel pretty good. So let let's talk about that that virtuoso symposium that was yeah. on Silver Dawn in Lisbon and and sort of cir circling around there. Uh, what was the mood of your uh, travel agency members, uh, those who attended, uh, about the market today, uh, and also the mood of the preferred suppliers who attended? Well, actually, it's 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 kind of funny because uh, when David Colner was kind of in seeing the the thing we were showing up the word cloud that we've done at the different symposiums and the number one, and it's amazing because the number one word in the word cloud, right. And I actually have a little visual of it here. It says right here, optimistic. There you go. And it's like, right. But we were laughing, we were laughing with it. We were laughing with the network. We were saying, it's the same main word that you guys had in the middle of the pandemic. I know. <laughs> so, yeah, you do. You do have in here, you know, exhausted and overwhelmed sometimes and this and that and the other. But overall, uh, optimistic people were. I mean, obviously, we know what's going on with, with the actual, um, uh, you know, with actually what's going on with business. Now, to give you the specifics, you know, it, we went ahead and did a poll in February. We went from with the early Omicron in the first quarter in January optimism was down to 43%, neutral was 42, pessimistic was 15, but then by February, 71% positive, 
um, and uh, and then and really jumped tremendously. Only three percent pessimistic. And partners were also very much now. That's overall. Just as a reminder, we you know we have Richoso advisors all over the world, sure. um, and it was really one of the ones I loved the most was that our Canadians. Would you, you want to talk about how quickly things change? The Canadian uh, uh, numbers went from a low of twenty four percent right in January to 82% by February. So in literally just a little over a, a two months, beginning of January, end of February, basically Canada just like went through the roof. So it, it also shows you how quickly, and we had members there from Australia as well, which, you know, talk about a place that got locked down. Well, now that's open too. I think all you got to do is open up after COVID and uh, people are going to start to feel even better, it seems. And that's that's the yeah. way it is. But but so far from what you were hearing then and what you've seen now, uh, in most people say sort of COVID is over. We do have some some things that we got to fix, like the uh, inbound testing requirement right. uh, uh, for the U.S., which we hoped would have been fixed this month, but now looks like it might not be right. till May. Uh, if that's fixed, I think that's going to be a big boost. But we do have this this unfortunate, this horrible war going on in Ukraine. Uh, is that affecting business at all, except for, you know, direct things like, you know, people who don't want to go on Baltic cruises because maybe St. Petersburg isn't concluded, uh, things like that? Or, or is it just so far not really affecting the luxury travel business? What we heard was... First of all, I do want to acknowledge, though, that you're right. We're out of COVID. I will say, though, the inbound testing is huge, um, and everybody is busy right now, so you can only imagine what's going to happen when that happens. Um, there is the reality. I have heard from a number of people. I mean, it is more complicated than it's ever been, right? I mean, so it is It is more taxing. I There is no question that right now, you know, being an, an advisor, you know, I flew back from Chicago with our very own Nancy Strong. And she goes, you know, I'm a insurance specialist. I'm a, I'm a health specialist. I'm a this. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely more complex than ever. Um, but, and so I, and I've, I've called it kind of the popcorn economy. The other thing that's a, that's an issue, which is really interesting is, you know, in Portugal, in, in Italy, in the UK, everybody had different quarantine rules, right? When you test it, I mean, you got to the UK, it was like, the Texas or Florida of Europe. I mean, it's like, you know, nobody was, you know, no mask, no this, no whatever. But so there's still an issue around some of that. I will say that seeing people be able to quarantine in luxury hotels and the <laughs> fact that insurance programs will actually cover that, that stuff, that's, that, that's something I think we never saw. So, I mean, literally the, I knew of people that were quarantined in virtuoso in, in hotels and quarantine only like virtuosos would with, you know, daily room service and champagne and, and balconies, right? And that, that's our kind of quarantine, Matthew, as you know. <laughs> but, but back to your point about the Ukraine. I mean, we did see, we saw about a, right at the beginning of the war, there was a little bit of a, there's a little bit of a, maybe a couple of weeks, I think, as the war has gone on, there is some regional, uh, our number two, of, uh, the our our number two in our finance department is from the Ukraine. In fact, her, her dad just arrived from Lviv a few weeks ago. Um, so I don't want to, you know, I want to make sure that we, you know, that's a real tra travesty that's going on there. But I will say that I think that when you ask me that question, I think the reality is you got to separate these two things. In luxury travel, there's always been the number one thing that always affected luxury travel was the, the stock market, right? That was the direct correlation. And then there used to be also these issues around it's, you know, there might be the regionality piece of it will affect some of that travel, but it was a little bit of the, 
psychographic pieces. Like, should I be having this kind of fun while I see this kind of tragedy going? And I think that in the volatility of the stock market and volatility in geopolitics, I think we're seeing something we've never seen before, which is because everybody was held down for two, um, you know, over two years, right? That we're not seeing the normal correlations. Will it eventually level out? Probably, but right now it's like it's a mental health. It's like I got to get out there. I got to out there do something. Yeah. So I think those core. I think that's one of the reasons we're seeing that geopolitics and financial volatility are not having probably as much an effect because of the the need and desire to get out there. So the pent up demand that came out of COVID is kind of pushing everything else aside and say, I'm going to travel no matter what. Uh, yeah. And I'm going to go because I can't control this right now. Uh, I, I've, I've talked to a few people about this is that in a way, hard to say COVID's benefited anybody, but uh, in terms of, of, of resistance to not traveling and want to go out there and get it, uh, I think it really has helped. Well, you know, I, all, throughout, all throughout the the pandemic, I would always say, boy, I tell you what, nothing motivates human behavior like having something taken away that right. you took for granted. Um, and, you know, I will I will share one funny thing that in October of 2020, I went out to this, you know, to this uh, health program I do out in California, and it's 16 people max per, per stay. And it's either virtual clients or they could be. So it's always like a focus group and you're there and you get to know each other because communal table. But one of my favorite lines of the pandemic, which is coming true, very wealthy lady from Santa Barbara, found out what I did, says, oh my gosh, I love to travel. Wanted, By the way, wanted a referral, which was great. But I'll never forget her line. She goes, you better tell your travel advisors to take their vitamins and get ready because once <laughs> I can travel, you're not going to stop me. And then she said, because you know why? There's only so much wine and so much furniture I can buy. <laughs> Which I still think was the funniest lines of the pandemic. That's it's, it's perfect. Now, now I'm not going to ask you about destinations necessarily, but I want to find out in terms of products, uh, luxury products, luxury cruises, tours, resorts, and hotels. Yeah. What's really sort of selling well? Or are they or are they all selling well? You know, pretty much right now. I have to tell you, anybody's got good, anybody's got decent availability. Um, and Europe is, is, despite what we just said about Ukraine, Europe is very very hot. Uh, cities are making a big comeback now. I do have. For the summer of 2022, uh, top 10 destinations, the U.S. is still, you know, U.S., mountains, open space, all this stuff. But even the cities are having a big resurgence because people have had that pent-up demand. Then, of course, it's, you know, it's starting to look a little more normal. But it's uh, U.S., Italy, in, in this order, U.S., Italy, France, Canada is seeing a huge uh, resurgence. Right. Greece, U.K., Spain, Mexico, Ireland, and Switzerland. Yeah, well, you know, these, and I think, I think, did you mention Italy? I've heard Italy is going crazy now in terms of yeah. everybody wants to go back there. I do. I mean, everybody, yeah. you know, that's where you want to go, Europe. Um, now, now let's, let's turn to something. So destinations are looking good. Product categories are looking yeah. good. Um, you know, we have gotten, this is about two and a half years now. And you, you, you and your team work diligently to help your members survive through COVID. Are, are they emerging in pretty good shape and ready to do business? And how have they survived? Well, first of all, if you would have told, if anybody would have given us the numbers, like the, the, the quantitative numbers of what was going to happen to travel, and you, and then you were asked to predict what, how, how well you would, we would all make it out of this. There's even my, my wildest positive 
forecast probably would have been not, it wouldn't have made, would have matched it. Now I have to say, again, I'll take this opportunity. The great, the great work of ASTA. I mean, this is a moment where for years, I always felt that the number one and most important job of ASTA was advocacy. Right. So I'm, you know, I'm proud that, 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 you know, I was the honorary chairman of the ASTA PAC and that we did all the work that we did to set us up for that. So I want to thank Zane and Evan and everybody there. I think we, we, we had that, that, that help. But also, I think that we came together as a community. We really worked, you know, with the, within, within three weeks of the pandemic, we took something that was very core to Virtuoso, which is collaboration and sharing and all that. And we created these things called collaboration teams where when our people couldn't travel, we basically set up, you know, we used our infrastructure with teams and all that, and then put together uh, collaboration teams um, that may, where people were just helping each other out. Hey, I don't know what to do here. How do I, I don't know how to furlough. What am I doing here, et cetera. But also there was a lot of emotional support. Sure. Um, I started, you know, I announced the, 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 the postponement of, of symposium in 2020 was my first video and then I did a video every single week, all through 2020, and then every other week last year and this year. So we really communi- over-communicating, relying on helping each other um, and all that. And then the other thing we did on the marketing side, I'll never forget that day. I remember being down at, at Turtle Inn, you know, Francis Ford Coppola's place in Belize, literally the week that the cruise industry was shutting down. Right, remember. And I remember thinking, how do you market? What do you do? It kind of reminded me about, September 12th of, of 2001, like, what do you do respectfully, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when we came up with our campaign about the triple bottom line of travel, right? The dreaming, the doing, and the remembering. Um, and we decided that's that's where we would double down on the idea of engaging, helping our members engage their, their customers, because just because we couldn't travel didn't mean that we couldn't dream about it. So... Overall, I would say that, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I think everybody came out of it a little bit better. We supported each other. Um, It's, it's, you know, it was very tough, but I do think that a lot of the infrastructure and a lot of things that we've been working on and the ability to share, you know, the support amongst each other was huge. So I would say, and another thing that's really, I take my hat off to our network, to our members, but also the industry as a whole. I think a lot of people also used it. Uh, as a very important time to update processes, technologies, things to do like that. Absolutely. Well, it's great. We now we're we're merged. We're going and and actually just before the pandemic, you had told me you, you were kind of you launched a sort of new strategic plan to kind of reimagine Virtuoso and 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 obviously then COVID hit and you know obviously there's been some changes in the executive positions and things like that. But uh, are you on track with that plan now? Are are you almost there yet uh, to make that plan succeed? Do you have the right people in place now? Yeah, you know what's 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 very uh, well. I I can't tell you. I've said the the story many times is the fact that in the summer of 2018, you know, we we had had 34 years of great success, but as we were as the network became more global, more diverse, um, as the as our members and our advisors became even more and more sophisticated, everybody kept you know raising their game. You know, we realized that an organization that had grown organically over a period of 35, 36 years, right, that it's kind of the analogy that I use uh, structurally, and that's ultimately my responsibility, 
is that, you know, it's not, it's kind of like you had a great piece of property oceanfront. And when you first started building on it, you built all these cute little cottages, you right. know, um, and then, but then here you are 35 years later and you realize you need a 20 story skyscraper. <laughs> well, 20 cottages, you know, stacked on top of each other does not make a 20 story skyscraper. You need a whole different foundation, a whole different set of wirings. And that was, so I'm very grateful that we use the same, you know, I've, I've shared with a lot of you uh, over the years and you, uh, James, that I run the company based off of a famous book called The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni um, and the table group in San Francisco. I highly recommend it. Um, and we hired somebody in the summer of 18 in organizational design to help us, you know, to help us put together this new structure. We actually finished that year and a half of work in December of 19. Right. So I was about to announce it in January of 2020. I thought, no, I'll just wait till symposium 2020 because it's going to be the 20, the, uh, the anniversary of the brand. And obviously we know what happened. So it's been very helpful from the perspective of that we've created an organization that has a lot more specialization. And there were some other areas that I honestly didn't know. I mean, we didn't fully understand. I didn't understand some of the areas of expertise that, quite frankly, the table group helped us identify mm-hmm. that were completely missing, like modern day product management, um, right. the discipline of product management. Some of the other things that you needed to have to be a more digital, more more configurable um, uh, organization. And I think that from a virtuoso perspective, our strength is our diversity. But in order to be, in order to be really um, value add to a more diverse organization, you have to be more configurable, right? You need to create products and services that could be enmeshed in, frankly, almost an innumerable number of business models and approaches to the marketplace. Um, and that's what we've been doing. So we've added a lot of, you know, uh, of positions. We've grown um, both uh, internationally and through all these different things. So I'm very grateful that that's where we were and very excited about the team. Um, the, 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 the gentleman, the, the young man that joined us uh, to be our chief operating officer, Brad Borland, he actually has been on my board since for, I started it more than eight years ago, mm-hmm. but he also started. So he may be a new around the, the network front facing, but he's been around for over a decade. No, absolutely. So, and you do have a mix of some new faces, but also some very familiar faces. Uh, yes. Obviously, David Colner, I've known him for years, a great yeah. guy. And, and, you know, people uh, really, you know, I was told David, he has, a, he has another career as a stand-up comedy, uh, as a stand-up <laughs> comedian, but he's yeah. done very well at Virtuoso and really has helped it. And now he's, yeah. he's uh, you know, been recognized for that. And we'll look forward to seeing him at Virtuoso Travel yeah. Week. And that's that's kind of the next topic I want to get to because we do have upcoming. I, I missed the symposium, but I, I I hope you'll invite me to Virtuoso sure. Travel Week. Um and uh, there we will see, you know, now how big is Virtuoso Travel Week going to be this year? You know, we're kind of ready for it. We did something we've never done before. We did an early access thing um, for about, I think it was like three or four weeks um, that closed uh, uh, in March, sometime in, in, in March. And we have almost 2,000 people signed up. So that's already more, that's already more people than we had all of last year, of course, <laughs> you know. Um, so all indications are, that it's going to be it's it's going to be a big. We've got a lot of a lot of um, tremendous interest, um, so I'm really excited about it. Everybody's been talking about it, um, so it's great to to see all that interest and all of our forums that we're holding. I'm going to be in Cartagena 
in, a, in about a week and a half for the forum there. We're holding a forum in Toronto. We just finished doing the forum in, in uh, London. And then, of course, we had the one in San Antonio. So those are all good. We're also doing the Virtuoso on tours. Right. Uh, we had one in L.A. at the, at the Century Plaza that was very successful, uh, doing a couple of others, uh, one in, in Miami as well. But, yeah, no, I think uh, Virtuoso Travel Week, um, like I said, we already have 500 more people than we had all of last year, um, and everything looks really good. So the Bellagio and MGM have been such great partners. You know, we've been able to set aside – um, really great allotments for there. So I'm, I'm excited about it. So you're going to have the whole three. You're going to have uh, Aria and Bellagio and uh, Vidara again. So yeah. the yeah. usual suspects. But do you think it's going to get up to what it was at, in 2019? I think it was 6,500. It was about 6,300. I don't know. I don't think. I think there's still, you know, a little bit of recovery depending. We still have, you know, Asia's still not not back to the, the, right. to the levels and things, whatever. Um, but by the way, we also will be, what will be different is that unlike 2019 is that, um, we've had a tremendous success and I really want to commend our team because I'm not just saying I've had a lot of people in the industry say that, that our virtual events were, you know, the, the set the bar out there. And I will say that, um, we had over 1500 people on the virtual virtuoso travel week last, last year, and that'll be different. So we'll, We'll have numbers that that will be very healthy. I'm I'm, you know, I don't know exactly what that'll be at this point, but we will also have a hybrid. So for us, hybrid is here to stay. Absolutely, no, I couldn't agree more. Although, um, as as you said at the beginning of all this, in person is still is still a great way to communicate, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to being in person at Virtual Travel Week in August. Now, uh, closing question. Uh, We've gone through all this. We've, we've gone through COVID now, two and a half years. We got a, a war in Ukraine. Uh, how has luxury travel managed through this? Has anything fundamentally changed in terms of luxury travel and luxury travel clients? Uh, uh, are people, you know, is, uh, you said there's a pent-up demand, and now they seem to be wanting to travel even more, and that's probably obviously one thing. But anything else that you can think of that's really, you know, changed fundamentally about luxury travel now? Well, I think for, you know, I, I think, you know, one of my favorite things um, that I shared during the pandemic was that disruptions accelerate trends. And, you know, 2019 was the high watermark of travel. Um, you know, we're still missing 100 million Chinese travelers right. <laughs> out there and things are already busy. So who knows what's going to happen with this geopolitical stuff, but that will come back. And so I think that a couple of things, number one, you know, one of the reasons the, that travel was also big is multi the, the number of generations that are all traveling at the same time. Right. In the numbers they're, they're, they're traveling. Um, what we're trying to build at Virtuoso is an and business, meaning that it's not the millennials or the baby boomers. It's not this or that. It's and. Um, this is where I think it's really interesting because I think that the motivation and the way in which you tr- the, in, the, in the way you market and, and manage travel and how you go after these different market segments is to become more fragmented, right? right? Because people are very, but at the same time, the overall size of the market is, I think, going to be bigger than ever. Mm-hmm. I do think that um, I do think that that some of the the um, the ways in which we approach things, for example, um, the the way in which the uh, the the client becomes more strategic about how they're booking their travel, 
you know, with more like a financial plan, like we've been, you know, we've been talking about for years. I think that's there. Um, and I also think that sustainability, um, right. you know, it's interesting because I've heard it at number of numerous meetings and stuff. When people get asked, you know, advisors, you know, they say, you know, is, yeah, but are people asking for sustainable trips? And a lot of times an advisor will say, well, no, no, they're not really at, well, first of all, that's the problem with the word. Mm-hmm. What, what I can tell you about sustainability, it's purpose, it's meaningfulness. Um, we have a lot of data on high net worth individuals around the world where particularly when you're seeing the geopolitical stuff and things are going on, it's like, I want to make sure that I'm spending this kind of money that, that I feel good about it too, right? right? Um, and that there's some sort of socially, you know, redeeming validity to it all. And so one, one of the things that I keep saying is when you, here's the market opportunity for advisors. It's not about they're going to come in and say, ask me this. We actually had a, a, a young man in his, in his in his 40s. Of course, now that's a young man for me, right? <laughs> but he had never used the Virtuoso Travel Advisor. He was a consultant at a, at a prestige, well, actually at the table group, and never used some, whatever. Started using a Virtuoso Advisor, Kate Caruso, and just goes, oh, my God, this is like, this has changed my life. Yeah. He helped us when, when we were talking about sustainability. He was the one I love telling the story. He goes, oh, my God, if you can make sure I'm going to have a fabulous vacation. Right. But then make it easy on me to give my money to people that are doing really great things for people, planet, and culture. Sure. I will see you at a different level of value to me and my family than somebody else. So the reality is the market opportunity is, of course, the customer wants great experience. <laughs> but if you make it easy for them, if you understand the backstory mm-hmm. of how these products and these destinations or, or properties or companies are doing something good, that that becomes a very, very powerful market opportunity. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree more. I think it was a few years ago when I was, uh, I think it was in a session with uh, your wife, Jessica, who is now running your, your, you know, overseeing your sustainable operations. And it suddenly dawned on me, how do you, how do you make sustainable travel succeed? Well, it has to be profitable. It has to be yeah. something that people want to buy and they yeah. seek it out. And that's the biggest yeah. thing. And you can't just throw, throw names at things sustainable yeah. for years we have, right? Green, right. eco, whatever. I, I, you know, you and I have been around just about the same yeah. amount of time. Thirty well, years we've been doing this, right? And the and 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 the last thing I want to say is not on the traveler because of the diversity of the traveler. The other thing is the opening line. The opening line of my talk in in Lisbon was literally I had just turned sixty the night the day before. I said I'm standing before you because I had the good fortune at the age of twenty four to have been introduced to a group of agency, boutique agency, luxury agency owners who were all then in their 60s or older who were willing to collaborate and work with a 24-year-old. That was rare back then. Right. So I think one of the things you're going to see, I think there's two things that are hot on my radar right now. One of them is cross-generational collaboration. Um, I think that that is a recipe for success. And by the way, we've already seen it inside of Virtuoso. We started working on talent development in 2001. Cross-generational collaboration is amazing. Um, one of the co-chairs of our millennial, uh, our millennial uh, team was Vanessa Sotwell-Jones. 
She's now partnered and she's in her 30s. She's partnered with a, a 65-year-old uh, advisor, a, agent, quite frankly, because who's really good at the process part. And it's kind of cool to see that. And what I love about cross-generational collaboration is we happen to be in an industry where people are are more open-minded, more curious, sure. you know, than, than a lot of other industries. So there's a great advantage there. And I think the other thing that's hot on my radar is for 20 years, the core competency of being a travel agent, 1977 to 1997, was process, mm-hmm. right? The negative word for it was called order taker. Now, you could call an executive assistant an order taker. I tell you what, mine is worth or weight in gold or, or platinum or diamonds, whatever you want to do it, right? That's the negative connotation. You give me somebody that's great at process. And I think that there's, so that was the, and then all of a sudden, when the GDS, the DIY revolution came by, then all of a sudden we started the the the, the, the evolution of the travel advisor. Right. Well, that's left brain, right brain. I always joke that I could probably sell anybody to go anywhere in the world, but God help them if I booked it, right? <laughs> and so I do think that there's another opportunity in the industry right now to look at not only finding talent in older baby boomers that don't want to retire, but don't want to have the same old job and they don't want to work 40, 60 hours a week. And there's an opportunity in matching up what um, the, a, a term called unique ability, which is great front of house advisor types with great back of house processing types. Sure. So a little bit of the right, right brain, light brain working together. No, I would totally agree uh, uh, that, that the, the way that, that the agencies are structured and the way advisors work uh, is going to change in that way that you're going to have advisors and implementers and people. And I, I've met them. Sometimes yeah. they're, you know, husband and wife teams and the, the, the husband is in the back, you know, doing all the doing all the legwork and the, the, the his wife is out front, you know bringing in the clients and being a relationship person. So yeah. it, 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 it just doesn't pan it. And you, you reminded me of, there was a, a point, I don't know, it was probably five to 10 years ago. You and I were both in our fifties then, and we, we both sort of crashed the millennial party. at oh, yeah. So, uh, and we were like, you know, we're, are they going to let us in? <laughs> but, but do you remember what we, do you remember why we quit having that party within two years? No, I didn't. Because the growth in millennials became so huge that it was like, Within like three years of that, like they were like 40% of everybody at Virtual Sun Travel Week. Yeah, you'd have to take out the whole nightclub uh, for the final final event for all the millennials. Well, that's my New Year's Eve. I can't wait to that's bring that. Well, we're looking forward to that. Uh, we, we missed that. Even last year, we missed that. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll have that reinstituted. Uh, Matthew, anything else you want to tell your Virtual members, your suppliers, and also our 100,000 travel advisors out there? Well, first of all, I'm just... I, could, I tell you what, anytime I talk to any, anybody on Wall Street, any big, anybody outside our industry, I've never been prouder of who, who you all are, what you've done, how you've gone through this. And second of all, we are going to see the golden age of the travel advisor. Um, so one of the things I remind you, make sure and actively get rid of the life suckers. If they don't appreciate you, get rid of them. Absolutely. Good words to live by there. Matthew, uh, I look forward to seeing you 
uh, at Virtuoso Travel Week in Vegas, although I think I'll see you before then a few times as, as usual. I already have in the last few weeks. I wasn't at Symposium, but then I just saw you in Chicago. Uh, I'm sure we will run into each other a fair amount before August. But again, I do look forward to uh, your big event, your New Year's Eve. And again, happy birthday. I wasn't there to, able to, to be with you on your 60th, uh, but uh, you, you have, oh, I'm, I'm sure you had a great time just being surrounded by all the great people you have at Virtuoso. Thank you. I'm James Schillinglaw, and this is Insider Travel Report.